Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. All right. Hello and welcome to the Addicts Anonymous podcast. I'm your host, Jim R. Today's episode 218. We're going to be interviewing Solomon. How you doing, Solomon? I'm just fine. Just fine. I'm I'm doing great, actually. You know, it's a new year. You know, so I get to start over fresh and new. You know, so we say. So yeah, no, that's great. It's it's good to be feeling good. You know, especially when yeah. you're in recovery. It's it's so yeah. important to make sure you're in a good mood every day. Oh man, it is. It is because if not, like today, I kind of <laughs> slept in a little bit. Nothing. I was in a bad mood last night or anything, but. With me sleeping in, I didn't wake up in a, you know, a very cheerful mood, you know. So I'm kind of a little sluggish today, a little bit, rather. Understood. You're lagging a little bit. And I'm the same way. When I oversleep, it's no good. Yeah. Yeah. Me oversleeping is like, I'm just not good for anybody. But I've been yeah. laid off from work. So, you know, I'm getting a lot of sleep that I didn't get. When I was working. So that's also a good thing for me. In the long run, it's going to work out. That's, that's the thing is keep a positive attitude. Yeah. So let's get talking about you, my friend. So I was telling yeah. you, the first question is, tell me about your family and your childhood. All right. Well, you know, believe it or not, it's just like, um, it's the average, you know, um, child who was born into addiction you know I mean if you can't if this isn't textbook you know but I never as a, as growing up I never seen it like this you know until I became an addict in recent up until recently but anyways I was born in Florida um Isle of Florida which is pretty much Miami um my mom I was I was born in my mom she was addicted to crack cocaine and I'm the second oldest my sister you know she wasn't she was clean at the time so you know my sister wasn't born with it in her in her system you know i was uh i was just about to my, ask that i was just about to ask if your mom quit when she was pregnant with you i no i highly doubt that i just, i know i was you know well i've been told you know that she wasn't you know she was in active addiction when she had me you know and so El as well as two of my other brothers, you know, I have two younger brothers and, um, I, it's funny cause, uh, I'm the second oldest and I have a younger brother, a brother under me and under him is a sister. She was, um, my mom was clean during her birth and all that stuff. So she, she's not a, um, a symbol of it, but then we have a baby brother and he was born in prison, you know, but well, not prison. She was she was in jail, and she had just come, you know, hadn't been sober for I, I don't know, you know, because she had been using and had her had my little brother early, a little bit because of it, and she was you know incarcerated at the time. So you know, growing up, she you know my grandmother had custody of me and my um, oldest sister, 
you know, I, we went back and forth between my grandmother to one of our great aunts. You know, my mom was never around. She was either out on the streets or in a rehab or in prison. You know <laughs> what I'm saying? Um, so it was mainly um, crack with your mom. I, I believe so. I'm pretty sure. Um, honestly, I never really. Um, my mom ended up getting sober, and she moved up to Ohio two years before she passed away, and um, she was living in Ohio two years before she passed, and um, but when she moved to Ohio, she was clean. She came up to Ohio clean, you know. She started over. This was back in 2012 because she passed away in 2014. So, you know, she had gotten clean, but right up until she passed away, my sister had noticed that she was using again. You know, the symptoms was there and, you know, I could see it in her face and I had talked to her one time. So, you know, I knew it was there, but thank God she didn't, it wasn't the crack that killed her. You know what I'm saying? Or her being out anywhere you know in the, in the house or an overdose or anything you know because back in 2014 this the hearing and fentanyl thing was just kicking off you know yeah. so you know what i'm saying so i'm just i'm glad it wasn't that but you know but the worry but it was it was just tough and rough for me but you know my childhood after i mean honestly with all that going on you know we knew my mom had a problem i knew she had a problem you know it just wasn't spoke about you know amongst us it was just you know, I'm, when I was a kid, I wasn't thinking about that. I lived, yeah. you know. I it's amazing what becomes normal to us. Yeah. Oh, like, God, you just get it. used to it. Yeah, yeah. Like, I just, you know, in my <laughs> mind growing up, you know, I was having so much fun in the midst of being between my grandmother's house, my great-grandmother house, and my great-aunt house. And they all lived within five blocks of each other. So that's how tight-knit my, you know, my neighborhood was. And my family lived in a neighborhood. So, you know. I was just, my mom was telling me, why are you worried about that? You know what I'm saying? Your mom, if mom want us, mom will come get us. Mom know where we live. You know, I always wanted to see my mom. You know, it always was in my head. Like, man, I work wonder, you know. But I was having so much fun as a kid, man, in Miami. It it was just, you know. Well, I was I about mean, to ask how it was like, you know, your childhood growing up. Like, how was your social life? How was school? How did all that affect you? Um. Well, it affected me big time because um, growing up, you know, I mean, I socially, I was just fine. Socially, I was just fine. I've always, you know, I mean, I was always a little shy, but breaking the ice with me or, you know what I'm saying, I, I, was, a, I, was, I was a social butterfly. A lot of folks like me, you know, I had a, a bunch of friends growing up, you know, um, but as far as school, that's where I was affected the most. You know, I had a, um, um, growing up in, in middle school and elementary school, I had a IEP. So, you know, I had a reading, like reading and comprehension was a big problem for me growing up. What's IEP? Um, it's pretty much, um, I don't know. It's an abbreviation. I can't remember what it's for, but it's a learning disability. Okay. You know. So, you know, you get put in a, it's pretty much like going to one of the carpet classes, they will say, but it wasn't, you know, but, um, but anyways, it was, uh, like, I used to do a, my, my great aunt, uh, will have me do a lot of reading exercises and things like that. 
I ended up getting held back in the first grade. Um, my first year in the first grade, I got held back because growing up in Hialeah, Miami, my school I went to, it's funny because I was put in a class with a bunch of Hispanic kids and the teacher spoke Hispanic. There was one other black kid in my class, you know, and he lived in my neighborhood. And it was funny because we were the only two kids, you know, black kids, you know, in the first grade at that time at, you know, at the school. I mean, not my sister went there and the other black kids in our neighborhood went there, but we was the only two black kids in the first grade at the time. Both of us happened to be in the same class and the teacher spoke a lot of Spanish and he lived, he actually lived in a project in our neighborhood that was mostly Hispanic. So he understood the basics of Spanish, you know what I'm saying? But I couldn't, and she would speak Spanish a lot and I never, I could never pick up. And when she did speak English, I was already so far behind, you know what I'm saying? I just, it, it just wasn't right. So my grandmother ended up holding me back a year you know, on top of that, I started school late because my birthday is in December, you know. So that was one thing I struggled with, you know, being the oldest in the class and, you know, and already being behind, you know, and I can hardly read. You know, math was a math didn't become an issue for me until like fourth or fifth grade. And then math became my issue. But once I got a once, you know, I, once I moved to Ohio, my grandmother, crazy story about how I moved to Ohio. So my grandmother was um, diagnosed with lung cancer, you know, back in, she died in 2004. So this, no, not 2004, she died in 2005. So, well, she was diagnosed with lung cancer and we moved up and my, we came up here for the summer of 2003, but at the time we had already known my grandmother had lung cancer. Well, we knew it was something wrong with her, you know, she was always going to the hospital you know, my uncles was coming over and they were staying with us at night. These are my great uncles. You know, they were coming over and staying with us at night. And it's just like, you know, what's going on? You know, they was taking us to doctor's appointments. My grandma wasn't around. You know, she was in the hospital sometime. And then, you know, doctor's appointments. So we kind of knew she was sick, but didn't know what it was. And we came up, me and my sister and younger brother, because um, my aunt had adopted my younger sister crazy you know, because she was in foster care because of my mom's drug problem, you know. They, once she, you know, she was clean and, you know, but the state took her. And, um, but anyways, so we came up for the summer and we found out that we wasn't moving back to Florida because grandma has lung cancer. This is when we found out, you no, know, grandma has lung cancer, you know, um, she just need time down there by herself because she can't take, nobody can take care of y'all. You know what I'm saying? But I had a whole family, we had a whole family down there, but me and my sister could never just get past the, the fact that, man, that nobody want us, you know, that's where, we, that's where our head was. None of our family members in Florida wanted us. You know what I'm saying? We have a huge family down there and that, that kind of broke our heart. But, uh, we moved to Ohio. We ended up moving up that that summer. So that must have been I've a been scary feeling. Oh, it was. Oh my God. Yeah, you know, for such because, a young kid, it must have been terrifying. Oh, dude, it was scary. Oh my God, it was unbelievable. It was heartbreaking. You know, because when we come, we would come up to to um Dayton. We come to Dayton, Dayton, Ohio, every summer. Every summer we would come to Dayton, Ohio, and we would spend it with my aunt and her kids, and you know, it'd be a blast until the summer of two thousand three. We normally leave because our school in Florida, in Miami starts back in September. 
you know. So it was like it got to be around August, and you know, we were still here in like late August, and we're like, uh, when are we going? You know, it's like the 25th. We're like, when are we going back to Florida? You know, our school starts in a month. We normally back, but then you know, time school starts. And she's like, are y'all going? Y'all going? Y'all y'all gonna go back down? And you know, this prolonged until until September. Now it's September. And we've gotten so late into the school year in Dayton, Ohio, that we can't start school, you know, because school has started, you know. So we kept asking them, you know, I'm like, well, they're going back to school. Why aren't we going back to Florida to go to school? Because our school starts. It came down to the point where we knew school was starting about a week or a week and a half and we're still in Ohio, you know. So that was like, a, that was the most scariest thing to me. I'm trying to figure out why are we still in Ohio, you know. What's going on in Florida? Nobody's telling us anything. You know, my aunt is just telling us every couple of weeks, you guys are going to go back, going to go back. And to find out it was like October and it was fucking Halloween. And we're like, all right, something to jigs up. You know what I'm saying? This is Halloween and we're still in Ohio. You know what I'm saying? Why aren't we? And my aunt came out and told us, you know, my grandmother had lung cancer. That's what it is. That's why, you know, that's, she's been sick. And that's why y'all been, um, everyone's been over to the house to help. So what's going to happen is y'all are going to stay up here with me for a while until she gets better. That's what we was told. She gets better. You go back. Being so young, I was in 2000 and that, that year, 2003, I turned 12, my 12th birthday. So. You know, I was 12 years old at the time, man. My mind was was so, like, I had so much. My mind was, I had a kid brain at 12 years old. I mean, I was 12 years old, so I don't know. You know, I, at 12 years old, fucking, I was, I had the brain of mush, you know. So, you know, I was uh, still had a, a brain of an eight-year-old, maybe. I don't know. This is just me talking, but. You know, I still felt like a kid. I couldn't, I wasn't trying to perceive anything she was saying. I was having way too much fun. You know what I'm saying? In the midst of me knowing that I'm not going back down to Florida and probably won't see my family down there again. But that didn't happen. You know, we'd always go back down to travel and stuff. But to be uprooted from what I know, you know what I'm saying? Growing up in Florida where it's, you know, sunny and 75 all day to... Ohio, where in October it's 35 degrees on, you know, Halloween, you know, and it's it's cold, mm -hmm. you know, yeah, that's a huge difference, you know. But um, when I moved up here, um, <clears throat> there was just a total difference, you know. I now I notice the difference between school systems, inner city school systems down there, and inner city school systems up here. You know, it was immediately acknowledged that. I had a, a reading problem, you know, when I moved up to Ohio and got into schools up here in Dayton, it was, they noticed then, you know, this kid has a reading problem, you know, we need, he need to be in a special class, you know, and honestly, I was upset in the fifth grade when I tested out of my IEP class, you know, I'm like, man, I had it made in that class, you know, it wasn't too much work, you know, it wasn't, you know, but this is just me, my thinking, you know, my thinking at the time, you know, it, the work was easy. You know what I'm saying? It's not too much. And the teacher is right here helping me. It was terrible when I got, that was another 
life-changing experience for me. I really don't talk about, honestly, because who am I? I don't have nobody to talk to my, you know. You got me right now. <clears throat> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> and all the listeners. Yeah, you know. But, um, you know, at the time I wasn't thinking like, you know, man, this is, you know, I get to actually get out of this class and I can be in a class with what we would call back then normal kids, you know. We didn't think we were normal kids in this class. You know, we thought we really had a problem. You know, which we, we had, a, uh, you know, illiteracies, you know, reading, writing, and math illiteracies. Those were problems we had in that class, but we saw ourselves way different. You know, but I ended up testing out of those classes, you know, with the strength of my community. When I moved to Ohio, it was a different, it was a different community for me. You know, my family was there and the teachers and just the staffs at the schools were, you know, was, was there, you know, and growing up, I honestly didn't have a bad childhood. You know what I'm saying? Ma loved us. She took care of us. You know, we, I, I wouldn't say we noticed them, my aunt and uncle struggle because she was married at the time before they got divorced. I, we never noticed them struggle at all. You know, we've always had what we wanted. And dude, we would travel all the time. You know, we, we would travel, you know. So growing up, I had a great childhood. It wasn't until, uh, I don't even, man, my, my, it's just so much. Now that you got me on, you know, talking about it. It's, yeah. It's just, no, it's just, take your time. I'm here. Sorry about that. Okay, but it's it's my it's it's just so much. I mean, by the fifth grade, I was you know, I was out of IEP class. I was in regular classes. I struggled a lot, and it's funny because uh, math growing up as a middle, I mean elementary school wasn't bad. You know, it was easy math. You know, I hated math. <laughs> I, I hated math myself. It didn't, <laughs> math it was didn't, not my jam. Dude, it didn't happen until I got out of my special way special way classes, and I'm like, "Sheesh, what are y'all doing here?" You, I'm telling you, it was like the fucking sheet. You know, they give you the sheet of like sixty different, you know, uh, multi, uh, multiply multiplications and shit like that. I'm like, what are y'all doing in this class, man? You know, I really struggled in math, and I was my reading got way better. My reading comprehension got way better, which, you know, I still struggle with reading comprehension, you know, a little bit even now to this day, you know. But it, it's, it's in, you know, Ohio, o Ohio is, is the place where that became home for me. You know, I mean, I, I met way more, I went, made way, met way more people, you know, my teachers, um, the people around me. Like, man, I was... I grew up um, in Dayton, in Ohio. They got this program with our county job center where you could, it's called Summer U. And they, you know, they pay you and you get different jobs around the city at different various different places at the age. I think back then you could start when you were like 12, maybe 11 or 12, but, or maybe 13, maybe 12, because it was that following summer I started. But anyways, and first, my first summer youth program job was, at a summer camp and you know I thought it was great I get to be around all these kids I get to you know show these kids the fun I had when I was a kid you know and I was only like 12 11 or no I'm like 12 years old the following summer my one of my best friends in my class this summer before that he was working at the fire department you know 
and he didn't like it. He didn't like being in a firehouse and growing up as a kid, I always wanted to be either a, going to the military because that was my goal was to go to the Marine Corps. Either that, you know, be a fireman, you know, or be a cop. It was one of those three. You know what I'm saying? And he didn't like it. And I was like, you know what, man, you're crazy. I'm going to try that next year. So that following year, I did the summer youth program at the fire department. And I learned that this is what I want to do in my life. This is what I want. Must have been like a dream come true. Oh, oh, yeah, it was. See all the equipment and shit? See when the gear? Oh, dude, it was badass. You know, at 12 years old, you know, 13 years old. I'm riding a, I'm riding in this fucking fire apparatus to a fire, and I'm getting to watch these guys, you know, do all this cool shit. You know what I'm saying? It was just a, it was just a, that was eye opening for me. You know? Oh yeah, much respect. Anyone's a firefighter and they're listening. Much respect and love, because think about it, a, a place that we're all running out of, they got to walk into. Yeah, they're going I'm the other you, way, my man. Dude, it was, it was like the most that opened my eyes for me. You know. I stopped seeing when I when I become a summer youth worker for the fire department here in Dayton. You know, I stopped seeing all my problems in my past and started looking at my future. You know what I'm saying? That was that was the most eye opening experience for me. And I did that that summer. And following that, you know, the guys at the firehouse was like, "Man, you really into this? We have an explorer program. You get to spend way more time in the firehouse, like twice a week, if that's something you're interested in. You know, just not the summer." You don't get paid for it, but, you know, it's an experience. And I'm like, I don't care about money right now. You know what I'm saying? I, you know, I was still in, um, and by this time, I was probably, you know, I've done that program two, for the next three years. So 15 years old, 16, and I've become an explorer. And I've done that, gotten high school. I was still an explorer all throughout high school, man. And it wasn't until I was, um, that's, I want to say I was probably 10 years, no, not 10. Well, the probably, first time I probably smoked weed, I was probably 10 years old, maybe. No, not 10. I was definitely not 10. I had to be 11 because we was 12, 13 because we, sorry, sorry, 13 because we was living in Ohio. We had moved to Dayton and we was living here for two years. So I had to be like 13 years old. And it was during the summer. So. Um, my oldest sister. Okay. And it was my oldest sister our cousin and our neighbor, which was a girl. So I'm with all these girls. My whole family consists of girls. As you just, I told you, I have three brothers and my aunt in Ohio, she had two boys, but one passed away. So she got a boy. So there's only four of us. You know what I'm saying? Four boys and our main boys in, in my immediate family, you know, as my aunt, sisters, all my cousins anyways. But um, it was them, and we smoked in our neighbor, in, in her basement, our neighbor girl. We smoked in her basement. Most, I mean, it was the most terrifying experience of my life. You know what I'm saying? I was paranoid as hell because I shouldn't be doing this. I knew I shouldn't have been doing that. But I'm with my oldest sister and her, my cousin. They cool people, you know. They, they cool people, and... My, my neighbor girl is real pretty. You know, I kind of got a crush uh, on yeah, her. Always about the ladies. Yeah, I have a crush on her. <laughs> I don't want to, you know, let, let make her think I'm not cool or, you know. I, it was a it, peer pressure was a, played a big thing in that. But, um, but that was the first time I smoked weed, and I hit that damn blunt like two or three times. 
and was paranoid as hell. I just knew my aunt was at the door every time I laid on the couch under a blanket and tried to sober up because it was the most terrifying thing in my life. I told myself, I'll never do this again. Let's fast forward four years later. Now I'm a freshman at high school. You know, my my buddies always, my I have friends, my sister smoked weed at the time. Everybody was smoking weed. I just wasn't because I had a terrible experience my first time. You know, and um, and it must have had, a, had to be some good weed for back then because when I started smoking weed my freshman year with my best friend, Scott, the weed wasn't as good as that was. You know, I realized, like, I don't know, man, but, you know, I'm not getting the same experience. You know, maybe my mind had matured or whatever the case was. But, um, yeah, I started smoking weed, man. And um, I played football. I played basketball throughout middle school. I was decent. You know, I played baseball and football. I actually could have, you know, went to school to play baseball at UD, but I started smoking weed. Uh, I just I stopped playing baseball. Um, I switched schools. I was going to a school and I was in ROTC. That's where I met my friend Scott, and that's where I started smoking weed with. And I was in ROTC, and I got in ROTC in high school, and I'm like, this is this is it. You know, I'm going to the military. You know, I was still doing my fire program, which is my which is on the back burner. You know, I'm still an explorer. And and um and so um so yeah, I was I knew I was going into the military. I was an army ROTC, you know, this is my sophomore year of high school, this is my goal. And until one day I found out about a new school hat. I already knew about the school, didn't find out, but the fire, the guys at the fire department and one of my friends that was an explorer program, he said, man, if you really want to be a fireman, you need to come to school. You need to come to our school. You know, it's a career tech school. I was a sophomore that summer and um, well, going into my junior year, I would have been going into my junior year when I switched and he like, man, you need to check. You need to come to our school. You know, we learn how to be a firefighter. And when we graduate, you know, You'll, you'll have your firefighter certification and you can get a job anywhere. You should do this. You know, I'm like, ah, yeah, I'm in ROTC, man. You know, I'm going to the, I'm going to the Marine Corps. You know, I'm hopefully trying to get into UD, you know, with a scholarship or something, which was my goals back then. And doing that, and I love this program. Like I would be, I would get to the firehouse at 6.30 in the morning they don't have to be there till seven. A lot of those guys aren't there until seven. I'm there at six thirty. You know, I'm there till fucking twelve thirty midnight some nights. You know what I'm saying? I, I just lived in a firehouse, and I finally came to my senses that summer, and I asked my aunt, "Can I switch schools?" She said, uh, "No." <laughs> and I said, "Well, this is what I want to do." You know, she's like, "What about ROTC? What about you know your commitment there?" And I'm like. Well, yeah, but this is something, you know, I can go to the military. I broke it down. I can go to the military, you know, but I won't have a career for like four or eight years after enlistment. You know, I won't start making good money for like another 10 years and all this, this and that, you know. But if I become a, when I go to this school, I can graduate and I'll have a fire certification and I can become a fireman and start getting paid, you know, as soon as I graduate. And she seen I had a plan and the guys at the firehouse, they really took care of me, man. Um, they, you know, they they put money together and they bought me my uniforms for the school because the students had to, the parents had to take care of uniforms. 
They bought my school supplies. I mean, they literally took care of me. They helped me write my letter because I you you have to write a fucking you have to do an essay. You have to write a letter to the principal telling them why you want to come to this school. Then you have to write an essay. You have to take an assessment. And they helped them guys in the firehouse helped me get through all of that. You know, and one of my best friends, you know, at the time, well, when I got into the school, you know, he actually he he did it all, man. I mean, he was a year under me. Yeah, I graduated. I graduated with my level one fire certification, which gave me the opportunity to go work in a, a small country town that literally had one stoplight, believe it or not. Dude, literally one stoplight in this one town. <clears throat> well, I grew up in a small town. It was part of like another town. It's called Englishtown, New Jersey. And uh -huh. same thing, we had two stoplights. No, no, yeah. no, 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 I'm sorry. Well, no, the third one didn't come till later on. So when I was growing up, there was two stoplights. <laughs> And they added a third one. And out of nowhere, I remember when we got McDonald's. I was like, We're oh, big. wow. We we made it. English Town's a real town. We got our own McDonald's. It's two square miles, but it's Yeah. Yeah. No, this town still don't have a McDonald's. The best thing they have is a uh, I think it's a Casey's, maybe, which is a gas station, which is a <laughs> Yeah, that's about it. That's about it. But dude, it was only like um, you know, because I lived in the city. You know, I lived in Dayton, Ohio, which is which is a a medium-sized city, but I lived in a city at the time, and I had a 45-minute trip out to work, you know, every day, but which wasn't mad because I was doing what I loved to do. I was a fireman, you know. This is well, what you're I smart. said. I As a young do. kid, you were smart because that's the one thing I'm going to teach my daughter. It's not about the money. You have to make enough money to live. I get it. Yeah. But it's this guy, Gary V. He's all over social media. He says the problem is people are not aiming to wake up happy. They're aiming to wake up rich. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. You got to wake up hey. and want to be happy. Yeah. And hey, you know what? I I had a I had a time of my life like that. You know, I've definitely had a time of my life like that. And this was probably a few years after I graduated, you know, maybe even four, five years after graduation where, you know, I just wanted it to get a job making good money so I can save and have money. I just wanted money. You know, money was my just just money. You know, I knew I wouldn't be wouldn't be rich, but that was money was my thing. And I got lost in that time, you know, but it was a great time period of my life. But I got lost, you know, working so much, trying to get this money to do God knows what with. You know, it wasn't until um so so let's get back on track here. Let's get back on track. So high school, you know, I switched schools and I became a fireman and I graduated in 2013 and my mother passed away in 2014. I'm so sorry to hear that, man. No, it's fine. It was the following year. And, you know, in that summer after I graduated, you know, I was me and my me and my aunt had put me and her daughter out, which is my cousin. She put us out the house. She didn't really put us out. Um, she told us. You know, that she wanted us to move out and do things on our own, but we kept, you know, prolonging the process because that's not what we wanted. So um, that summer, summer 2013, she called us up one day. I was at a drill meet and she said, um, I need y'all to meet me at this apartment complex. I just paid y'all first month rent and, you know, and I got y'all some stuff to get y'all started. Come get y'all keys. Like, what are you talking about? You know, she literally put us out, but she did. She did help us out. She paid our first month rent. No, she did all the shit for us. But um, that summer, the father of her child, who's a fucking deadbeat man, and I let this man, 
oh, I, I let this guy, I let this guy take me down to to my lowest self esteem that I've had ever had, other than being a crack addict. I'm dead serious. Like, um, I was a fireman at this time. Listen, this is you know, I would I would smoke weed, but I wouldn't I wouldn't smoke weed a lot until I moved in with me and my cousin moved in, and then she let the father her her baby daddy move in, and you know I started smoking way more weed, you know. Um, and at the time I was taking the EMT course to become a full-time fireman, you know, to get a pension, and everything. I was taking the EMT course, smoking so much weed with this guy. Um, I stopped taking extra shifts, you know, so I started losing money and at the firehouse, you know, and we was drinking so much and in this apartment complex, we met people and it was just like a party every night. So every night I was partying, so it was, you know, drinking weed, I mean, drinking weed, smoking weed, yeah. drinking, drinking liquor, you know, playing cars. And I stopped, I, I actually stopped going to EMT school. I was almost done. I had to take a test. You know, I was worried about my test because I hadn't been doing so hot in class anyways, but it was shit that I knew, you know. And I think like a couple weeks before my state board, I, um, I stopped going. I, you know, I quit classes, uh, quit taking those courses at the college. And a couple weeks after that, we met this uh, chick out in the complex who me and my cousin, well, not my cousin, he, we've known him so long. He's actually the mother, like I said, the, my cousin's baby daddy, but he's pretty much my cousin too. Shit, I've, we've known him all our life, you know what I'm saying? Well, half our life since we moved up here into Ohio, you know, Two years after we moved here is when we met him, but his family ended up moving away. And weird how him and my cousin met and had a fucking baby together. That was the weird part nobody could understand. Yeah. But um, but uh, we met this chick, and you know we went over. She she was sexy as hell. She like man, y'all can we can always hang out, chill and smoking, you know, drinking stuff. She lived in the complex. One night we was over at her place, and um. Man, I we noticed that she was real jittery and shit. And we like, man, what's going on? You all right? And she come out like, yeah, I just, you know, I've just been doing some coke. She like, uh, y'all ever tried any? Y'all want some? I'm like, nah, you know, I'm not, I'm cool on that. I don't think that's something that, you know, I want to do. You know what I'm saying? And it went on like a day later, you know, I thought about it. And my cousin come up to me. He like, well, my cousin, baby daddy, like, uh, you wouldn't, you wouldn't, um, you want to try them like, I don't know, man. You know, I've always seen it in the movies and everything. You know, I always said I might would try it, but I don't think I really want to, you know, I w would tell myself, oh, you know, I might try cocaine. You sit in the movies all the time. You know what I'm saying? It it's popular, you know. But, um, and we come to the agreement that we'll try it tonight. We'll call her up and we'll say, yeah, you know, we want to do it. I tried cocaine that night. And once again, it was a terrible experience, you know, one of the most, like, my whole face got numb, and I didn't know the effects of it at the time, you know. I just knew what they would do in the movies. They would sniff it and say, "Woo!" So I just thought that's all it was, you know what I'm saying? And uh, it was just a terrible experience. I vowed, uh, once again, to never try this drug again because that was not good. And I, told, I ended up telling my mother about it, you know, because she had just moved up here to Ohio, and... And, you know, we didn't talk too much 
about her drug addiction at all. You know, I think it was kind of one of those things with her and me a little bit. I'm thinking, well, I knew what it was, you know, at that time, like she was addicted to drugs. There was no way she could, you know, I knew what it was at that, you know. So we never really talked about her in depth uh, addiction. But I did tell her, like, you know, mom, I try cocaine. I don't want you to be mad at me. I know it's pretty close, but I try cocaine. And she's like, what well, did you like it? What did you think? I was like, nah, that's something I really wouldn't try. She was like, good. You know, you don't need to be messing around with drugs like that. You know, she, my mom told me, you know, you don't need to be messing around with drugs like that. It'll, you know, she's like, you've seen what happened with me. You know, you know, it's that can happen. I was like, yeah, I'm done with that. So that's 2014, uh, 13. In 2014, my mom passed away. She, this is when she passed away, she had a brain aneurysm. And she ended up passing away. They found her in the alley where she had fell out, you know. And, but, um, <clears throat> but that, that right there was like my breaking point with the fire department. After that, my fire chief had known, like, you've missed, two trainings this month. Uh, you're not taking your extra shifts like you used to, and you're being rude with patients, you know, and you can't have that. And he's like, how are you, where are you at with your, uh, he kept asking me about my, my EMT basic course, which I was supposed to be taking, which I had dropped out of. And, you know, I just kept, eh, you know, it's all right. It's not, it's all right. Yeah, you know. But he, he noticed that something was wrong with me and, you know, my mental health wasn't the best at the time after losing my mom because I felt like, God damn, I just got my mom. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, I, I, she had just come into my life in 2013 after all my fucking life of her being in and out of prison. You know what I'm saying? I remember, um like, the stories I have of my mom or memories I have of my mom or, like, a lot of them are from her being in rehab and I was there, I got to visit. Um, she had stole a car once. We had went down to Florida and she had stole a car once and she had us all in this fucking car. But before we we didn't know she had stole a car until we were spray painting this fucking car in <laughs> a fucking, I, I'm telling you, it was like a, it had to be like an 88 fucking, some type of Chrysler, you know, a little box car. And we was in this fucking really, really richy, rich neighborhood spray painting the car. Me and my sister and one of my cousins. And we like, something ain't right. Why the fuck are we spray painting this car? And who the fuck do you even be thinking? Who do you even know that lives in this neighborhood? You know, why are we even in this neighborhood? You know? But um, but long story short, we was driving, and at this point, my my mom had me, my sister, my cousin, another one of my cousins in the car. Like we're in this, we all shouldn't be in this little ass fucking car. One of them little box cars, man, this little ass car. And we was all in this car, and um, she ran and she ran into the back of somebody. And I was sitting in between my cousin, my oldest cousin, legs in the front seat, and I smashed my face into the dashboard. And uh, scrapped, scraped my knee up. I mean, it, it was like a pretty, it was a decently bad accident, you know. Banged my face all up and shit. And she left the scene. We, she pulled right off and went to my grandmother's house. 
and uh, my great grandmother house. And like, I don't know what was she thinking, but probably 30 minutes later, the fucking police pulled up and arrested my mom for a hit and run. And you know what I'm saying? And he's looking at all of us, you know, and uh, well, not only hit and run, but Grant that photo because the car was stolen. I don't know if she stole a car or not. You know what I'm saying? She said the car was given. She said the car was given to her. Somebody gave her the car, you know, to, to use. And but they needed her to this is what she told the cops. They needed her to, you know, to they wanted it to be spray painted, you know. But that's what she told the police. So I'm not sure what happened with that. But you know, after like years of all of those type of incidents, I remember one time I was walking from my grandmother's house to my great grandmother's house. And it's only like a four, five minute walk if that. But in the midst of walking, we have this rec center and there's a big old field for the rec center right in the middle of our neighborhood. And across the street from this field was, um, there was a small bar slash restaurant and an arcade and a mini store and a little store and everybody knew about the place and you know i was walking along the fence and i happened to see two cop cars pull up into the bar parking lot you know in the small plaza parking lot like oh good some action going on here let me stop and see what's going on they run in and they bring out my mom and i'm like holy shit what's going on you know and they're trying to they're trying to get my mom on the car and get her hands behind her back. And she immediately pushes one cop off of her, take the other. My mom was a she she was a lesbian and she was a big woman. She's like six foot, 250 pounds. You know, my mom was a and she worked out. So, you know, when she was in rehabs, you know what I'm saying? When she would get clean, she would work out and she would be strong, you know. And I watched my mom assault these two cops, <laughs> you know, and the third one had to pull up and a third cop car pull up with two more cops and they finally restrained her and, you know, arrested her and took her away. And I watched this, you know what I'm saying? And so that's just like more trauma, you know? So within these, all those little types of incidents is how I seen my mom growing up in Florida. You know, I moved to Ohio and didn't see her. I didn't see her again after that. You know, I think I, we seen her from my grandmother's funeral was the last time we've seen her. My grandmother passed away in 2004, so 2005, I'm sorry. She passed away in 2005. My mom somehow got got permission or whatever to leave for the funeral. So she was locked up and they gave her permission to leave for the funeral. My mom thought she'd go to the funeral and then go on a run. She would go to Jacksonville and stay with my granddad and hopefully he'd give her some money so she can go back on the run. And she ended up hitching a ride with a semi-trucker and um, and the fucking semi-trucker drove her straight to a, a patrol house on the highway. You know, she told him, she must have told him, like, yeah, I'm a fucking runaway convict. And <laughs> he's like, yeah, you're not riding with me, lady. <laughs> You know, and he dropped her and he drove to a fucking, to a way station and told him, like, yeah, this chick's a convict, you know what I'm saying? But that was the last time, we, you know, we had seen my mom, well, a few months prior to that, we had seen her at my grandmother's funeral. And, but yeah, after that, I didn't, I hadn't seen her, you know, up until she moved to Ohio in 2012, you know, and this was 2004. So that's 10, that's what, uh, eight years. You know, so I hadn't seen my mom in, in, in all this time. 
And the time I did have her, you know, I didn't make use of it. You know what I'm saying? I didn't make use of the time when my mom moved up here because I was a junior in high school. I had shit going on. You know what I'm saying? I'm thinking, shit, you missed all this time, all them years when you was in and out of prison. You know what I'm saying? I have a life. And that's what I'm thinking. I have a life. I'm playing sports. I'm doing my fire thing. Like, you know, but she did come and see me graduate, which was a big thing for me. She, my mom got to see me graduate before she passed away. So I'm proud of that. That was a problem. You know, one of the milestones that got hit, you know, but it wasn't, but when I lost my mom in 2014, my emotional distress, I went in like seriously emotionally distressed, a real great depression. And I would say that is when I realized that, you know, all I have is drugs to maybe fall back on. Not saying that's what I said or thought, but dude, I was really partying, man. You know, at that time we had started popping the Xanax and the Kalatapins and all that stuff. So every night, you know, we smoking big weed, fucking drinking Hennessy, fucking Jose Cuevo, you know, popping Xanax and Kalatapins and shit. So I was living a life back, you know, after my mom passed away what I'm thinking I'm living a life you know the one of the chicks in the apartment complex you know she's my girlfriend now you know what I'm saying I'm the you know I'm doing great you know I didn't need none of that but but the uh so what ended up happening is my fire chief at the fire department tell me like she sent me down like Solomon um your mind you're not in the right mind state to to serve our community he was like but I think you need to go get you some help your fire gear is always hanging up there on the wall. You know, you get yourself some help. You come back and you see me and we put you back on the rig, you know, which it never happened because I sprung out of control. Um, probably. So two years after that, let's fast forward to 2000 and trash 2016. Um, I started working as a security guard and I was working third shift, did that. And then um, I got a job working for 1-800-GOT-JUNK. I don't know if you ever heard of them, but yeah. anyway, you have, okay. So I started working yeah. there. I was working, so it's like 2016, 17, started working there. And I worked there with this older white guy and he was a cool guy. You know, he kind of became my best friend. You know, he he did become my best friend um, at the time. One of my best friends at the time, he was, probably like in his 40s and I was only like 21 <laughs> you know what I'm saying 20 years older than me and the coolest guy in the world you know we smoke weed together you know drink beer we got to work with drink beer and I noticed one summer you know like damn James are you okay you losing a bunch of weight you always look rough and scruffy you know and you keep telling me you've been up for like two days what the fuck going on with you are you okay and he finally come out and tell me like, oh yeah, man, I've been, you know, I've gotten with these young kids in my fucking town and, you know, they got all the drugs you can dream of. And he started doing meth. Well, I guess he had always done meth, but, you know, and all these drugs, but he had, you know, started, started back up because he said he wanted to lose some weight or whatever. Who fucking knows? That's what he told me. He wanted to lose weight and he'd know if he wanted to lose weight, he can smoke meth. But I guess he was smoking crack too. I didn't know about the crack. Well, he pulled out a baggie one day because he was doing some coke, and um, he, I'm like, let me try some of that. And he's like, oh, no, nah, man, I don't know about that getting you. I was like, no, nah, I've tried it before, you know, but I didn't like it, you know. 
maybe this would be a different experience for me. You know what I'm saying? I'm a little bit older now, and, you know, I've done pop pills and drank a lot. I think I can handle it now. And he gave me some cocaine, you know. You know, he was like, well, not this baggie. This is the crack. You don't want none of that. And I'm like, yeah, no, of course not. I don't want to smoke no fucking crack. Who do you, you think I am? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> what the fuck you think? Smoke no crack. I want the cocaine, you know. I want the the rich white man drug. That's what I want. Yeah. I don't want no fucking crack. You know, fuck that. And um, I tried cocaine, and after that moment, I tried it that day, and I had become a cocaine user after that. I, I fell in love with it, you know. I fell in love with the drug. Um What's called what it is? Cocaine's good. It gets you. I mean, it makes you feel like a million bucks. I mean, that's no, the one dude, thing I, I think most addicts like they don't really think about. Um, is it works? That's why we liked it. But it man, I was um, I think it, it was last long. night. I think it was last night in my in my meeting. Was it last night? I I did a meeting last night. I think it was last night. But um, they say uh, it was like uh, when you when you hit. When you uh, do cocaine or crack, both of them really, you know, it's the same exact thing, but it's like you go from sitting in a dark, lonely alley to as soon as you hit that line or that rock, you know, you're on a mountain singing with birds and all your fucking worries is no more. Yeah. And, you know, that, and that was when I heard, I'm like, oh, yeah, no, for sure. Definitely. You know, um, I, so anyways, because my life has been in shambles lately, but um, so in 2000, so I tried that and then I left that job and I, I left that job and um, I started delivering furniture with my cousins and now I'm making great money now, you know, great money. And you know, it's, and when we, what we would do is we would ride past prostitutes and shit and play with them and fake like we gonna pick them up, you know. And one night I was by myself and I said, "All right, I'm done playing," you know. Fuck that. And um, I picked up a prostitute, and um, you know, I did my thing, and then uh, I, I had some cocaine too. And this is when I realized that my drug use stimulates through um, the the drive of having uh sex it it, it kind of it goes hand in hand and um so what got me in trouble was one night i picked up a, a prostitute and i'm like let's do our thing i got some cocaine and be down she's like no nah, i don't do that i smoke it and i don't snort it i smoke it i'm like huh what uh you know i'm not even thinking she's talking about crack you know what i'm saying i'm not even thinking about the until she pulled it out and i'm like oh that's crack no i'm, I'm not i don't want no parts of that She's like, it's the exact same thing, you know what I'm saying? But this will, it, it'll hit you faster and better. And she gave me a shotgun. And from that moment on, I was hooked. I was hooked on crack cocaine. I was taking my, I was, um, but you know what? But before, well, yeah, I got hooked on crack cocaine. And I really, I wouldn't say I was hooked because I didn't probably do it or purchase it myself probably like a month after maybe two months after that was when I purchased you know went to purchase some myself um I met um the mother of my kids I have four daughters and I met her in 2017 so um uh what was it the fall of 2017 and you know I'm like oh she's the love of my life 
you know, I love this woman. She had a daughter at the time and we ended up moving in together. Well, first, you know, we found out she was pregnant, you know, uh, right after the new year. She got pregnant right after the new year. I had my first daughter in September of 2018, you know, nine months later, obviously the following year. And I was still doing Coke at the time. And then it was probably, I got, that's when, um, I, I think I had, I think I was smoking crack, but I was probably doing it like on a low, you know, I, she didn't, she didn't expect to suspect a thing, you know what I'm saying? Until, um, she didn't suspect a thing until my daughter was probably one years old, maybe, was she even one at the time? Yeah, she's probably one years old when, um, you know, when I told her, like, I have an addiction problem, you know, and because I would I would come home late, you know, what I'm saying after work or I probably wouldn't come home until the next morning. And I would come up with some excuse like, oh, we stayed out and I didn't want to drive. So I stayed at my cousin's house, you know, but I'm out smoking crack, you know what I'm saying? And um, and I told her, like, that that following year. You know, I have a problem. You know, I told her it was just cocaine at the time, and you know, I need it. I think I need help. And she's like, "Okay, we can get through this together. This is something, you know. Okay, you told me. Now I know. You know, now we need to work on getting you help." Um, I think I did. Like, I went to see a a therapist, and that was it. Stopped going to see the therapist. Kept smoking crack, and found out she was pregnant again. So just pregnant again. And my we had our daughter in August the following year. You know, we just had one in September. August the following year, we having another baby, 2019. And um and after we had her is when you know what? I was actually I was I had actually just came off of like a, a week binger crazy news, crazy shit, like two days, maybe a day before she went into labor. Like I I was binging for like a week and I was like, I went into a hospital. I mean, I wasn't high, but you know, I was like fucking, I was coming down off of a high. I was, I was, it was a terrible time for me in, uh, when I got to the hospital, but after having my daughter, I said, I'm not doing this anymore. You know what I'm saying? This is, this is it. That wasn't it. Um, we we had a house together. We had a three bedroom house. It was beautiful. I mean, it wasn't real big at all. It was at one level, but it was just enough. It had a great backyard. And um, and I'm like, I'm done with that drug. You know, this is I wanna, I want my family to thrive. I got three little girls. You know, this is my family, and we have a beautiful home. I wanna build on this. But no, I relapsed. And I found out that in my neighborhood, I lived in just right around the corner and just right around the other corner, I could buy crack. You know, I don't have to travel way across the town to buy crack anymore. You know, it's right in my neighborhood. And I found that out and I got strung all out. And probably six months to a year later, sorry, six months to a year later, um, my old lady, she said, I'm done with you and this and she actually canceled our lease 
you know, she canceled our lease at our place without me knowing I was, I was still working and I had, but you know, I would leave the streets and go right to work. I was delivering furniture, you know, and it was very unsafe because um, I was the driver of a truck and I would go out from, I would go from, you know, smoking crack all night. You know what I'm saying? Up for two days to getting into a 26 foot box truck and driving to fucking Louisville, Kentucky, you know, and delivering furniture all day. And whatever tips I got, you know, I would drive back to, to Dayton to buy more crack with, you know, and start the process all over, start the day again. And that was, and that's what I did, man. And, and she left, she left me, she went and moved in with my aunt. She had moved in with my aunt and I came off the streets and I'm like, I didn't even know she was staying with my aunt until I called my aunt and was like, after being out for months, for probably months, I don't know how long I was out for, honestly, man. I was out there. And I called my aunt like, this is it. I need a place. I'm sorry. I'm done with that, auntie. I need a place to stay. I don't got nowhere to go. You know, um, she's like, well, I don't know if that's a good idea because Keisha is staying here with mother of my kids. And I'm like, what? Why is she there? You know what I'm thinking? She don't... Why is she going to my aunt's house? You know what I'm saying? When she got a family, but she wasn't real close to her family back then. But, you know, I'm like, why is she going to my aunt's house? And she done canceled the lease at our house, but she got the balls to go stay with my aunt. That's what I'm thinking. But that wasn't the case. You know, I'm glad my aunt took her in because, you know, and my kids in because I'm, my aunt loves me and my kids. You know what I'm saying? And I love my daughters to death. I, I love them to death. And, um, and you know, so she moved out of out um out of my aunt's place and she got an apartment in the city of Dayton in the hood. And you know, I I had started and I had got clean at the time, you know. We lived with my aunt for probably three or four or five, five or six months. Because um, yeah, no, I yeah, I ended up getting a job in in, in asphalt and two in this and uh man, my daughter was born in she was born in August. So in a, I think it was like September or October of 2019, I found out because we was door dashing a lot living with my aunt. And I found out that, you know, uh, an asphalt company was hiring. So I went on and I applied for this asphalt company and they said, yeah, we'll hire you. And, you know, now I'm thinking this is a asphalt construction is a great career to be in. I can make great money. I did started making good money. You know, I was able to, I can think I can put that life behind me. I'm making good money now. You know, I got laid off in the winter forgetting that, you know, these companies, they get laid off in the winter. You know, they told me that, but I wasn't thinking about it. And three months later, I'm getting laid off. And what I do, uh, uh, lost track of, you know, stagnant time. I started using again. I went back to the streets because I didn't have nothing to do. And I got, got laid off. I couldn't claim unemployment. You know what I'm saying? Because I didn't have enough weeks work. And it was, this was probably the second lowest I had got. Cause the first lowest was when I had went out in the streets, when we had that three bedroom house and I was out doing that was probably one of the lowest points. And then my second lowest was when she moved into the, after when I got hired on for this asphalt company and then got laid off. I went right back out to the streets. Um, 
my sister was kind of a um was kind of a what what do they call it a code codependent code codependent yeah like she was she was like fueling me without even knowing you know she would give me a place to stay when i when my uh, old lady was like no nah, you can't come here you know you're not coming back here she would put me out I was like no nah, you no you're done this was when i'm laid off she's like no you can't come back here you're done you know what i'm saying i don't want you here around my kids your kids you know but I'm a great, she kept saying, you're a great father and all this, this and that, but you just have a problem and I don't want that problem around my, you know, I don't want that to come to my doorstep. You know, our kids are here and I would never do anything to put my daughter's life in jeopardy. I never have, you know, but, um, but my sister would, you know, you can come stay here, you know, come on over, come stay here. You need some money. Here's some money. You know, I'm just taking that money and going out and doing drugs with it. And um, I knew it was, I had stole her. She left her car there one day and she left some money in her car. And I took her car and a little bit of money that was in her car. And I went and um, bought drugs and, and hung out with a, with one of the prostitutes I knew. And we, we hung out all day and did drugs and drove around in her car. She had to come searching for me in her car. Well, she came searching for me and I never thought she would fucking find me. You know what I'm saying? Until... Me and a prostitute, the chick was getting ready to go somewhere and for her to pick up some money so we can get more drugs. And my sister was outside. And all I hear is, that's my car. And what, bitch, what are you doing in my car? And I'm like, what the hell? I jump out the second story window on the side of these apartment buildings because I can't go down and face my sister at all. I can't go down and face her. So I jump out this fucking window and I'm trying to run and she sees me and she's seeing her friend, whoever this guy was, and he grabs me and, you know, I'm high as a fucking kite. And at that point, I knew it was bad and I had lost all the support that I had. My aunt stopped answering my phone calls. She stopped talking. My sister did. She was like completely done with me. Um, And I told myself I got to get my shit together. So I I, tr I actually tried to commit suicide that weekend and I tried to commit suicide and I was walking in the back and forth across the street and I know that there's a there's a hospital that there's a hospital in the neighborhood, you know that my old lady lived in and my sister didn't live far. It was all within a mile. Everything was all within a mile of each other. My sister house where my lady was staying, where I was staying right with my lady, you know, in the hospital. And leaving my sister, that whole situation, I kept I went back to my old lady house and she's like, You gotta get the hell out. You stole your sister's car. I don't know what the fuck you might try to take everything in here and you know. But I ended up going to I tried to commit suicide. It didn't work. So I walked to the hospital and tried to um you know, admit myself into the the psych ward. Um, they took me back and did some tests and all this, this and that talked to me and they told me that um they told me that there's nothing they can do for me here, you know. And that fucked me up. I'm thinking, yo, I really want to kill myself, you know. Man, but one of the nurses, I think they released me at like three or four o'clock in the morning. One of the nurses said, what you need to do is you need to call Access Hospital, you know, 
because um and they'll and they'll admit you and you can you can get admitted there you know they can help you with your mental health and your addiction after your mental health issue and i'm like you know they had already told me about access once before because uh i actually tried to hang myself once before you know when we lived in that house and i was it was bad at one point well and um but i went to the hospital then my family came and got me and drove me to the hospital well no my co-worker drove me to the hospital because he was like your family asked me to do this for you and i'm gonna do this get in and you're going but anyways i went to the hospital then and um <clears throat> but they wouldn't admit me into the hospital that day i tried to commit my uh commit suicide by walking across the street and getting hit and the woman said call access i called access and access said well we can't can you call back at six o'clock because we don't have Nobody, you know, doing intakes now, you know, call back at 6 a.m. So I went and sat back down in the chair at the hospital and I told myself, all right, this is it. I'm about to go jump off the Main Street Bridge, which is probably like a half mile from the hospital. I was going to tell myself that's what I'm going to do. You know, there's nothing left for me in this life. And I promise you, like... I kind of get emotional talking about it and it gives me the chill bump because I was getting ready to get up and, and stand up to walk out the emergency room door. And when I stood up to walk out, I couldn't push, I couldn't push the door open. Like, you know, and I'm thinking, I know it's not a fucking pull because I'm trying to pull it, but it don't pull either. And I couldn't open up the emergency room doors and I stood there and I turned around and I walked back to my chair. You know, I sat back down and I tried to get up again. And when I tried to get up, my body would not move. I couldn't move at all. And still to this day, I believe it was it was it was God saving me. You know what I'm saying? From what could have been my last day on this earth. And I'm a strong I have strong spiritual beliefs. You know, I really believe it was it was God that day. And that told me to sit in that chair until, until six o'clock to call access. And I waited till six. I call and they say, well, we don't have any beds available. Call back at eight o'clock. So I call back at eight. I sat in that emergency room, man, all fucking morning, all morning. And do you know what got me through? Everybody loves Raymond. Was on yeah. the fucking was on the fucking TV in the ER. And that got me through. It was that and Jesus. I promise you to God, that and God kept me in that emergency room. Because I was ready to fucking go kill myself. Like, I have nothing. You know, my family don't want to have anything to do with me. My old lady's done with me. I have nowhere to go. Literally, nowhere to go. I'm just going to kill myself, man. But Jesus saved me that night. God saved me that night. And that morning... um. I called back at eight and they said, we might have a bed available at 8.15. Call me then. So I said, okay. And I called my old lady hoping that she would, praying that she would pick up an answer so I can tell her like, listen, I know you done with me, but can you please help me get the help I need? You know, I, I want to go to access. I told her about my night. I'm like, I really want to go to access because this can save us. It can save me and it can save us. And if you would pick me up and take me. I would really appreciate it. And she came in and she was like, I don't know. I don't want to do that. I don't believe you. She didn't believe me. She's like, you, if I come, you have to call him and put him on the phone. 
So um, she ended up coming, and first thing first, he's like, you need to call him right now, and I need to hear them say that they have a bed available for you. And I called, and, like, I'm calling to confirm my bed access, and they're like, yeah, you have a bed. When can you get here? We want you here before somebody else calling that bed becomes unavailable. Um, so I'm all to, she took me to access, and I did that program. It was like it was a um, like a 40-day program. <clears throat> Doing that and that program saved my life. It really did. You know, I was ready to kill myself. I was. And I went into that program and dude, I got sober and I got healthy, man. And you know, and um I went that and this was around what was this? This was uh March of twenty twenty. This was the year of COVID. The year of COVID. Oh, that's that's my sober date. My my sober date's March tenth, twenty twenty. Is it really? Congratulations, man. Thank you. That, well, that's not my sober day, but that's when I went to Access. That's when I went to Access, and that's when I decided I'm changing my life. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm done with it. I'm done with the drugs. I'm done with it. You know, and I got out, you know, I was done, and I started back work at um at my asphalt company because we started back in April, and what ended up happening was they ended up letting me go, you know, they ended up firing me because uh I had hit a curb with the roller and if you roll in when you roll in gravel on a construction site, the sound of crunching gravel doesn't differentiate between the sound of fucking crushing the curb. <laughs> There's no big deal, you know. But I didn't know and and when I roll when I was rolling, the way I was taught to roll was when you're done, you move on you move on to the next section because we was doing fucking um a storage facility so it was different lanes and the way that I rode there was no way for me to look back to see you know that I had fucking took out 15 feet of curb there was no way for me to see that and um but yeah they ended up letting me go and when they let me go from that you know that job that fucking that broke me down that that took me back to the streets it did I'm not afraid to like because I I had a career, you know what I'm saying? I knew where my life was going. I knew where it was supposed to go, you know, and, it, and I was going to be a, a, a asphalt laborer in the asphalt industry. And after losing that job, I realized like, damn, that's not, you know, I have nothing now. Um, so I relapsed, I ended up relapsing and I got out in April. No, I didn't. I got out. I did get out March, March 20th. I'm sorry. That is my clean day. Shit. It was March 26th, actually. But um, I started back work and they let me go. So I started um, a new job for for an asphalt company, but it was doing steel coating. And I was taking them checks because they wasn't direct deposited. You know, it was 1099. And I was taking the money. I was taking half of it and giving the other half to my old lady, like, well, this is how much, you know, they're not paying me nothing. And I was coming up with all types of stories, taking the other half and using. And, um, and I'm like, not nah, can't do that anymore. Um, you know, cause she threatened to, you know, she threatened me with, with losing everything again. I couldn't do that. So I quit that company and I started working for another asphalt company. And that's where I work for now for the last two years. Uh, it'll be three years when I go back next year. Vandalia Blacktop here in uh, Van I live in Vandalia, Ohio, which is only ten minutes from Dayton. But, but yeah, I started working for this company, and 
and I started working for this company in I think June of 2020. Yeah, 2020. So um, I was sober that whole time. When I started working for this new company, I got sober and I hadn't, I, you know, I didn't smoke nothing until guess when I get laid off. You know, once again, I tried the, but at this company, every year we have a Christmas party, you know, and at this Christmas party, you know, you get to pull an envelope off the tree and there's money in this envelope and, you know, and you get a Christmas bonus. I will get a Christmas. I got a Christmas bonus. So, you know, I'm thinking, damn, that's a lot of fucking money. So first year, you know, I ended up relapsing and then I started, I relapsed and then I started, um, a program, another program is at a place called Recovery Works here in uh, Vandalia. And I did that and, you know, I got clean and sober. I was sober, you know, up until I started back work, you know, the following year, 2021. So I started back work and I stay sober. I, I stopped doing my program. I stopped doing my program. Listen, I stopped doing my program, stopped going to meetings. I stopped because I was sober. I thought I had it. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, I don't got through all of that. And where I met up, you know, I'm good. I don't need any of that. You know, I'm really sober this time. I'm living a clean life, you know, doing, you know, taking. Well, I have to say we had I moved. I moved and I got this new job. I moved my family from out of the fucking ghetto, out the hood, out here to Vandalia. You know what I'm saying? And it's nice a beautiful area. place. Yeah, very. Oh, yeah. 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 100% nice area. You know, dude, it's so it's so nice out here. I love Vendelia so much. When I'm when we moved out here from where we live, you know, we would look out the windows all the time, not because we want to make sure we safe, but there's always something going on. Fire truck, ambulance, police car, arguing, crash, you know, it didn't matter, but we were looking out the window. And when we moved out here to Vendelia, I mean, I remember the first time I heard somebody arguing. And there was a lady on the phone and she was in her driveway, probably yelling at somebody in her, yeah, no, Lord knows who she's yelling. I'm like, hey, come here, come look, 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 look. She's arguing, somebody's arguing. You know, that's how nice, that's how nice this neighborhood is, you know. Um, so I moved them, I moved us out here. I got sober, you know what I'm saying? And like my life was good. I'm like, yeah, it, it's been good, you know. Um, I ended up uh once again. Another um, season came to an end last year. This time I won $500 at the Christmas party. And my Christmas bonus was, I think, like 1500 bucks. But I didn't take none of the Christmas bonus money. I let the old lady, you know, get, we got Christmas toys and all that. But I took that $500 and I relapsed. I relapsed. And my old lady, I, I had relapsed and... You know, we had came to an agreement. This was in December. So around, I think it was January or maybe February. It was after our daughter's birthday. You know, we came to agreement that we would live apart for, we would live apart for um, a while, a few months, maybe a year, you know, before we decide on if marriage is good for us or not, you know. And well, we, she ended up getting pregnant. She ended up getting pregnant um last last year well not the year before that she ended up getting pregnant and i got another little girl out of a baby girl and she's one and a half you know she turned 
She's getting ready to turn two in July of, of uh, in July of this year. So we had another baby, and um, you know, being busy, you know, not spending time for myself, giving myself time, because when you have four daughters, there's always something to do, and when you live in a two-bedroom townhome, you know what I'm saying, like. You, there's no room to think. I would tell my old lady that all the time, like, I'm sorry, you know, if I'm being short or I, my, there's, I'm not blaming this mom or relapse or anything, but there's no room for me to think, you know what I'm saying? And so my goal from that moment on after we had my little girl was, um, I want to get a house, you know? So I called around and they like, uh, I talked to mortgage loaners and they're like, well, first you need to get your credit together. And I found the woman, she's like, I can help you do that. You know, we'll work on your credit and we'll help you get a house. I'm like, okay, yeah, a house is what I want. You know, this is what we need. You know, I get a house. I can, we got more room. The girls have more room. Everybody have more room to think, you know, this to give me a chance to stay, you know, healthy and sober and whatnot. Um, but so, um, so, you know, I got clean again and that didn't last long and um no I actually um <clears throat> last year yeah last year my clean date I, it's funny because I ended up getting clean again in March it I ended up getting when I, during my layoff you know what I'm saying after my relapse <clears throat> you know I went out probably one or twice after that but I knew that I was getting better you know my lady told me you know it's you know you still have a problem and it's a big problem but i know you you trying to you're working on it because instead of you're not going for months at a time you know you're going for a day or two and you realize you fucked up and you get the help you need and i at the time i didn't i didn't see that as her um being a crutch for me you know, because I, I took advantage of that, you know, um, I took advantage of her and that because at that point I knew like if I relapsed just one time, you know, and then wait a long time, you know, it's not bad. You know what I'm saying? I can go smoke crack and come back and it's, you know, don't smoke again for another few months and it's not bad. But um, March of uh, this year, I got clean and I didn't relapse again until I was clean for like three or four months. When was it? I think it was. Over no, I don't even think. Huh? Yeah, Maybe this over summer. The summer. Yeah, it was definitely over the summer. I think it was like right before my daughter's first birthday or right after her first birthday. I had relapsed. But um. And it was one of the moments where my old lady's like, dude, you got this. You just need to get back on a horse and you need to, you know, bro, you got this. You know, she, at that point, she, I, I think she knew that that was her last straw. I think that's what she kind of knew that it was her last straw. And maybe I kind of knew that in a way, but she gave me the most support I had ever had that she had ever given me. You know what I'm saying? And I stay clean, man. I, I'm like, I'm done. You know, this is it. And so let's fast forward to my birthday of this year. I'm not sure where the hell I got money from or how I got the money, but my birthday is on December 8th. 
But I got, I had money and I went out and relapsed. I relapsed and I was, uh, what happened? Um, I, I went out and I stayed out all night and I relapsed, come back, my old lady had knew it. And, you know, I told her, I'm sorry. Like, she's like, well, man, you tripping. I don't know. That's, you know, you won't, I don't know if this is, you tripping. She just, I was tripping, you know, but I couldn't see that. You know, all I was seeing was, um, it's crazy. I set myself up for it. All I was seeing was um, that Christmas party in my head of this year or last year, you know. And I got that money from the Christmas party. And, you know, it's crazy because I wasn't going I wasn't going to go out and smoke crack. I really wasn't. You know, once I got that, it was only a hundred dollar bill. It was only a hundred dollars I won. You know what I'm saying? And I'm like, I'm not going to smoke this up. But, you know, I'm, I'm just not. And at 11, I went to sleep because I came home. I was I was kind of I was drunk from the Christmas party. So I came home and went straight to sleep, you know, and I woke up at 11 o'clock to get me something to drink. And when I woke up, I looked at the keys that hanged up on our door and I said, I'm going to buy crack. And I went out and um, I was out. Like that was a Tuesday night at 11. I didn't come home. I was out all Wednesday and we only have one car and I was in that car. So she had to take a lift to get the girls to school, take a lift to get the work. And, and that was her breaking point. I came home and, and she left and she took my daughters and she left. So, you know, I'm back at square one right now. That's why when you asked me about my new year, I was like, this is the year that I get my life back. Brand new start. Yeah, yeah. You know, see, and the thing that, that messed me up the most about the whole thing is like that I was, cause this was on the 20, this was the 23rd when she left. And I, you know, this is before Christmas. I didn't see my kids for Christmas. I haven't seen them since the Friday before Christmas. You know, the Thursday before Christmas. And, you know, my daughters is my world. I love them to death, everything. And it broke my heart because I couldn't, uh, I worked so hard all year, man. I worked so hard this year. Um, you know, I I got a, I ended up getting a raise at work. Um, and when we got laid off, me and my buddy from work, we went and uh, we started working for another asphalt company that one of the, one of the guys that I worked with that we worked with at the company, who kind of took me under his wing and he was kind of my sponsor, you know, because he's an addict, you know, and and he know I'm an addict and I was able to talk to him about that and that's what kind of helped me get through and you know stay sober was was him, um, one of these older guys at work, but um. Well, we worked for another asphalt company. He was paying us cash, you know, while we had been laid off from our company, you know, so I was able to take that money and you know what I'm saying? I was able to use that money and put towards gifts and shit like that. So I worked so hard to give my daughters a great Christmas and, you know, something of a Christmas that they hopefully wouldn't forget. Well, which I did, I fucking did that, you know, cause they'll never forget the Christmas that they spent without that, you know what I'm saying? And, but, they didn't get to see their gifts under the Christmas tree that they had decorated because my, uh, 
my old lady, she gave me an ultimatum. She said, you need to leave and go back to where you came from because you can't stay here or I'm taking the girls and I'm leaving. And I'm like, well, I don't have anywhere to go. I can go back to the streets and just, you know, spiral out of control if that's what you asking me to do, but that's not what I want to do, you know, or I'm thinking, or, you know what, I can maybe go to, I'll go to access. I'll go back to access. And she's like, but you need to go today. I was like, well, access may not have any beds available. And I called and they didn't. And, and she's like, yeah, I'm taking the girls and I'm leaving. You probably won't see them for maybe six months, maybe a year. I don't know. It depends on you. And you know what I'm saying? And dude, she took my kids and she told me I need to give them a hug and tell them goodbye. And, you know, we've done this before, obviously, me and her, you know, where she takes the kids and leave or, you know, she separates from me. But this time it was different. And I know it was. And my goal right now is, you know, I'm going to always worry about my my family. I love Keisha, which is my old, which is my old lady. I love her and my daughters to death. I love my girls to death. And not being able to see them has been like one of the, my biggest, one of my biggest upsets, you know, because I wake up with them, you know, before I go to work, I'm getting ready for work and they're here. I need some cereal right now, man. You ain't leaving this house until I got cereal. You know what I'm saying? I put, I put them to bed, you know, I bathe them every night. I bathe my daughters every night. I, you know, I help, I put them to bed, my daughter, my baby. She don't go to sleep without me being in a room and the fan on and, you know, our good night thing we put on the TV. She don't go to sleep without none of that. You know what I'm saying? She didn't at least. Like, I had to be in a room with her. Like, if it was after 9 o'clock, because their bedtime is 8, if it's after 9 o'clock, dude, she, my, the baby, she will come downstairs and da-da, da-da, da-da. And she will point at the fish. She will point everywhere, telling me it's time to go to bed. You know, and I kid you not, man. She will say, okay, I'm coming, going upstairs. She would go upstairs and get in the bed. And I would come in the room and she's patting on the pillow. Like, yeah, you know. And I haven't had that. And that's been my my toughest, my toughest struggle so far. But I'm working, but I know that wherever my kids are and wherever my old lady is, is a safe environment because she'll never put them in an unsafe environment. You know what I'm saying? But my biggest worry is that um, the neighborhood, you know, it's all, it's all, it's, you know, because last year when we separated, she got a house and it wasn't the best neighborhood at all, you know, so I always worried about you know, when they get out the car, is they okay? You know, I, I was worried about them. And when she left, you know, that that's just the worry that's always on my mind. She changed her phone number and, you know, she changed her phone number. So I haven't been able to get in touch with her. I seen her the other day. She, uh, well, I ended up going to Access. Um, last Monday, I went to Access and they didn't have heat. And they had a water main break. So they um, sent the residential um, patients to, they sent them to different programs that was available. And then there were was like 15 guys, including me, in the detox portion. And um, 
they uh, they sent some of the guys who had been there for a few days to a program as well. But um, but the programs, so it was like eight of us left and it was either a homeless shelter, but I'm not homeless. I have a house, you know what I'm saying? And my big thing was going into this program for 30 days, you know, um, how are my bills going to get paid? You know, how I don't want to, I've already lost everything. I don't want to lose the rest of it. You know, I'm, I'm, I've already lost my daughters. You know, the last thing I want to lose is my, my house. I want to, I'm going to go stay at a homeless shelter, you know, for Lord knows how long until they get their systems back up. And I have a home, you know what I'm saying? So I came back home instead of going to the homeless shelter for sure. Um, but my goal now, like I, I, I'm, I have to get myself healthy for me. And I, think I, was in the year, say, I was about to say, getting towards the end, what are you doing to keep sober? Is there anything specific you're doing to help yourself? Yeah, well, see, this is my first week in 2023. So um, I did my annual yesterday. I did my meeting. Um, man, I've been trying to get back in touch with Recovery Works because it's not far. You know what I'm saying? Back in Recovery Works because they have a program. You know, they, they do it in, in um, uh, IOP and they do an a NIOP. And there was an NIP. I don't remember, but, um, but I can't get in touch with them for whatever reason. You know, I'm thinking this because it's the, the new year. That's what I'm thinking is because of the new year. You know, I tried to call yesterday but the phones just rang. I tried to call this morning and it just rang as well. So I'm hoping it's just because of the new year. I know they still open and available, you know, but I know that it's a good program and it's not a program that turns anybody down. You know, no recovery program can turn you down, you know? So yeah, my no, like I, I actually have goals, man. You know, I'm going to stay sober. Like I, I got to get myself together for me, you know? And if, and if if you was listening, I've never lived by myself alone. You know, I've, I've never been, except when she left last year, but they were only gone for like three or four, three months, if, if that. But they were, you know, I was getting my daughters on the weekend, every weekend. She was staying a few days throughout. They would stay a, a day or two throughout the week. You know what I'm saying? So it really wasn't like she had moved. And you know, you know what I'm saying? So like, I've never lived alone, like, and I experience. don't want to live alone. Yeah, it is an experience. And like, you know, I don't want to live alone. Not saying that I can't, but I love, I want the presence of my kids. You know what I'm saying? I'm all late. Like I, I live for them, you know, but I have to, but I've never lived for me. You know, every time I've gotten sober, you know, maybe except for one time, you know, it was, you know, it was for, for them, you know, I'm a, I got to get sober so I can, you know, get back with Keisha, you know, I, I got to get sober so I can get my family back, you know, so I can get my family's trust back. I got to get back sober so I can, you know, whatever reasons, you know, and, you know, this time, you know, the last time I relapsed, I was so grateful that I came home, you know? And now this time I relapsed, I'm grateful that I came back 
to still have a home, you know? Even though my home isn't what it used to be, because I don't have my daughters, but, you know, and I'm alive, man. I'm alive. So, you know, I just, I did go through a, you know, that first weekend, you know, I went through a, a, like a fucking, oh man, I was heartbroken. I was, you know, I, I contemplated suicide again for the first time in, you know, since that last time when I tried to walk across the street to get hit by a car. You know, I contemplated suicide. I didn't, you know, it didn't was nothing more than a thought, but you know, and I even told my coworker, man, um, that I worked with, you know, one of my best friends. He's probably one of my best friends, my coworker. His name Tim. And you know, you know, I called the t- I just needed, I had to talk to somebody, you know, that morning, that day when she left. And I called him and I'm like, man. Um, she took the kids and I'm done. He's like, what are you talking about? I'm, well, I'm like, I have to tell you something. I always, I've always wanted to tell him. I, I really did because, you know, having, because we work on the same crew and, you know, we go out with each other every now and again, but having somebody else to another person that, that can notice, you know, when I'm going down the rabbit hole or notice me getting off, you know what I'm saying? Is, the support system. It is, you know what I'm saying? And he can, somebody, cause when I'm at home, it's my old lady, you know, she noticed it, you know, like you need to do a meeting. Have you been doing your meetings? What's going on with you? You know, it's her, you know? And I always wanted to tell him because I needed, I would like to have that support at work, you know, but I never did until it got real bad, you know? And I told well, it's good him- you have the support you, It's good you have the support you need now. That's all that matters. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So let me ask you this. I, it's, I think it's a good place to start wrapping up. Let me ask you this real quick. Do you have any advice for people watching and listening? Yes. Yes, I do. Um, Lay it on us. Please, please don't do it for as much as you love your family. You have to get clean for you because if you don't, it don't work. And if you have a family, if you have kids, Please stop for I, I'm when I'm it sounds contradicting, but you don't want to lose the only thing you have, your only support, your only family, because because when they're gone, they're gone. And it and it's gonna hurt, it's gonna hurt them more than it hurts you. Cause like right now, I haven't seen my daughters and who knows what they're thinking. You know what I'm saying? How do they who knows their emotions towards me? And that's eating me a lot. You know what I'm saying? So you're not the you're you're not the only person that you're affecting. Their disease is affecting, you know. Um, and if you need help, get help. That's probably it. I really appreciate you um, coming on the podcast today. I think that was a great interview. You did great. Thanks, man. No problem. Anytime, anytime. I'm willing to help. Anytime. Absolutely. I'll talk, I'll talk to you after about some other stuff we got going on. Okay. All right. Do me a favor and sit tight. And for everybody watching and listening, if you like what you saw on her, go below and give us a like. Also subscribe to see when we upload new videos. You can check us out on all social media. We're on Twitter, Reddit, Facebook, Instagram, Tumblr, TikTok. Um, we also recently signed up for Discord. I also uh, suggest checking out our website, which is www.addicts-anonymous.com. There you find plenty of free resources and literature. 
Um, also, we have a book coming out that should be out hopefully by the beginning of February to mid-February. It's called Addicts Anonymous, Our Stories. I'll keep you posted on that. So that's all we have for today. I hope you enjoyed. And until next time.